The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website, showcase your work, blog, or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code SNELL to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. The Incomparable Number 399 March 2018 Welcome back everybody to The Incomparable In this episode, I'm your host Jason Snell by the way That's my name, I don't know what my number is I think we'll find out Uh, We are talking about the classic 50 year old That means it's a classic because otherwise we would have forgotten about it by now (laughs) Television series The Prisoner Joining me to talk about The Prisoner Are four wonderful guests they're not prisoners they're just mm, guests sure. isn't everybody um steven Chapansky is here uh steven Chapansky, where am i you are in the village eric ensign what do you want information david j lore whose side are you on oh that would be telling kathleen showalter uh by hook or by crook we will Hello. We should start by mentioning that Stephen and Erica did a podcast series where they talked about every episode of The Prisoner one by one. It's called In the Village. It's got its own podcast feed. It's also part of the TV podcast feed. Uh, and now that I just rewatched The Prisoner, I am listening to those episodes, which is delightful. So if you want to deep dive into The Prisoner, you should listen to that. Um, let's start with the two of you, um, since you were podcasting about this. Uh, it, it seems like the story goes that Stephen showed The Prisoner to to Erica a little while ago. So I guess we need to go all the way back to Stephen. When did you discover The Prisoner? I discovered it when a friend of mine at school, junior high school, I think it was. So I was probably 14 or 15. He was telling me about this show called The Prisoner. I think I'd remember seeing the odd, very odd clip or two on like mm. CBC television here in Canada. Um, and he said that there was a, the local PBS station was airing the entire series, all 17 episodes on a marathon on a Saturday, uh, and that he would tape them for me. And so he did across two VHS tapes and I watched them and I was, uh, increasingly bewildered. But <laughs> at that time, like being 14, 15, just sort of like coming into like sort of appreciating avant-garde kind of stuff. Um, I fell instantly in love with that series and it became a formative, uh, influence in my in my teenage and, and young adult years. And Erica, then I guess your story is that your husband said, "Hey, you want to watch The Prisoner?" Yeah. Well, my first uh, my first introduction to the idea of The Prisoner as as a thing was an article in the Onion um, back I think before it was online because I went to school in Madison and there was an article uh, written from the perspective of one of the nerdy characters saying something about like, I'm sorry, I can't make it to your wedding, but why the hell did you plan it on the weekend of a prisoner marathon? So <laughs> I was like, okay, this is obviously a show that, that I need to watch. You know, they, they talked a little bit about the show itself in the article and I was like, okay, so I put it on my to be watched eventually list with a bunch of other British stuff and then just never got around to it. Um, many people that I know and respect loved it a lot and I always wanted to watch it. And then, I married somebody who had it on Blu-ray, and that—that's apparently how you get around to stuff. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. So I watched it, and I fell 
harder for this show than I ever have for anything else I have ever watched. Just fast and deep. And I was in in love in a way that I, I have never been for any other TV show, Doctor Who included. So, yeah, just it's it's an intense experience and it's short, which I think helps. And there's like it, it ends and you don't know what happened or maybe you think you do. I don't know. It was yeah, it was an experience that I am still coming to terms with how I felt about it. And I've seen it twice now all the way through. And I'm honestly looking forward to the next time that I watch it in whatever order that is. Yeah, we'll talk about the episode order, I think, a little bit. Kathleen, now you and I were talking to each other in L.A. at the Gallifrey One convention about how you'd been on some Pod for Hams and stuff but hadn't been on The Incomparable. And then you mentioned that you just watched, like last year, watched the whole prisoner and i said oh we're doing an episode about the prisoner story long story short you're on the episode um so when did you when did you decide to dive into the prisoner was it it was obviously very recent very recent it was um the beginning of october and i started watching it on the 5th of october in 2017 and it's eric and steven's fault because (laughs) they mentioned that they wanted to do a panel on the prisoner and i at um at LI Who, the Doctor Who convention, and I said, "Oh, I should really watch that show." And then I was like, "Hey, do you want do you? Can I be on your panel?" And they were like, "If you can watch the whole Prisoner," I was like, "Well, yes, I can." Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, so I have like my my tweets from October fifth, which are like to Erica, you know, here we go. Sorry, it's standard definition. And then second tweet, <laughs> I am in love. One minute in, I am in love with this man, this score, this freaking car, these amazing shots See? and camera angles. Love. I've never felt this intensely about anything. Not even See? Doctor Who. It's <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just <laughs> that, Erica, like, that is literally what I wrote on the internet. <laughs> yeah. You fell hard. I fell hard. Yeah. I watched the opening sequence three times that first time before I even got any further. I was like, I think I'm having a moment. Can I be a filmmaker now? Is it too late? And my whole visual experience of the X-Files and Buffy and Doctor Who and John Pertwee and like 50% of advertising and and 20th century art criticism like exploded in my head. So yeah, it was intense. Yeah, sounds like. Now, David, I imagine that your story is, it goes way back sort of like Stevens. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I still remember back when I first joined in here, and you said, do you have any ideas for topics? And I, I think I yelled the prisoner as I was typing it into an email. Um, and I told you it's on, it's on the it's list. It's on the list. And, and, here, and five years here we later. Are five years later. <laughs> That's actually right on schedule, isn't it? Pretty much. Yep. yep. The list um, is long. <laughs> so when I was growing up, when I was little, we had in the, in the doll museum, there was one room that had like all these cabinets and inside were all these books that my uncles had collected when they were you know, preteens and teens back in the late 50s, early 60s and on. And they, so they had like all the I Spy novels, all the Man from Uncle novels, and they had a couple of prisoner novels. And I said, ooh, what is this? Because those are just spies and I know what those shows are. What is this? This is a different spy story. Ooh, I like that. And every now and then the prisoner would show up on PBS, but it was always on late. And my mother indulged yeah. me a little bit. So I had seen the opening credits because I just I would stay up late when I was little but, you know, it was t- still too late to watch the show. And then somewhere, I think it was like 88 or 89, CBS had what they called the CBS Mystery Movie. They showed The Prisoner every Thursday night at 1235. And because it was summer, I just stayed up and watched it every week. 
And so I got to see it in sequence. A sequence. Mm-hmm. A sequence. A sequence. <laughs> but with a pause in between, like you couldn't binge watch, because again, that mm-hmm. wasn't a thing. And and I was instantly, I was like, this is even better than I could have imagined. And by that point, I had, in, had ingested a whole bunch of other British spy things. And, and I had seen a lot of Secret Agent, because that was on PBS. And, and you know, so I already liked Patrick McGowan. And this was just like, oh, this is like taking the talent from that and doing something really cool with it. Instead of just, oh, an intelligent spy show. I mean, Secret Agent is fine. But The Prisoner... There's a reason we talk about The Prisoner and Secret Agent is a thing that also exists. So uh, my story with The Prisoner is is Doctor Who related, which is that my local PBS station on Saturday nights, in addition to Doctor Who, would often put on something usually before Doctor Who. Not usually after. Usually Do- Doctor Who ran until they signed off for the night. Um, and that's where I saw The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, for example. And there were other things that they put. They, they would often try to slot another kind of British thing or sci-fi thing uh, right before it. Uh, at like nine o'clock on a Saturday night before Doctor Who at 10 o'clock. And The Prisoner ran at one point, all 17 episodes, uh, right b- preceding Doctor Who on my local PBS station. So that's where I saw it in high school because it was the it was the 80s. And that was when I was watching Doctor Who on the Sacramento PBS station. And I was watching The Prisoner. So I watched them all um, at 17, 16, 17 years old. And, um, and I would have told you last week that I haven't seen them since. However, as I was watching them this week, <laughs> my wife informed me that I subjected her to the prisoner <laughs> early in our relationship. I, I like that terminology. That sounds like my wife. My guess is that it was on maybe a cable channel. It was on uh, in the nineties. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, The Prisoner. And I showed it to her. Um, and she didn't, I mean, she didn't have uh, negative feelings about it, but she just, just, she remembers having seen it. And that, that was about it. So that's my, that's my story too. We all come to it differently. It's 50, year, 50 years old. It's older uh, than any of us. So we can't, we can't really remember it. I was just watching the War Games episode of Doctor Who, which is from yeah. about the same time, right. within a couple of years. Right. And um, marveling, as I do with Star Trek at the same time, of like disparity in, in production budgets for various shows. Um, Well, it's like if you compare that to all the other ITV uh, programs from the time, and this looks like a million bucks, and the rest of those look like, uh, well, we had some money left over. Well, they're they're also very clever at at disguise. You know, they actually shoot very few episodes at on location at Port Marion, the the village in Wales uh, that doubles for the village, and most location shots that you see are is features a location double for Patrick McGowan, in, including the entire opening sequence. He doesn't actually appear in it <laughs> after he opens the window, uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as you can tell, I mean, that the same set that serves as number two's uh, sort of lair, his office and like the green dome and the uh, and like two or three or four other rooms are all the same room, just redressed. It's, it's a yeah, really right. clever way of working around perhaps a smaller budget. Right. Yeah. And it looks great, of course, to modernize because it was shot on a 35 millimeter film mm-hmm. and has was lovingly transferred to Blu-ray and looks Amazing. Oh, yeah. And I will admit, I have not seen the Blu-ray because it's kind of hard to get your hands on the in the American US. Blu-ray is out of print. Yeah, right. exactly. So right. I tried. Um, so, so dear listener, if you're thinking, I want to watch The Prisoner and you're in <laughs> North America. Um, Oops. Uh, Go to a library. They might know, have it. The, the library in New York didn't have it. Um, oh. Well, actually, they had one. They, they did have it, but it I would have been like number 63. 
on the list to oh, check it wow. out. And you said you're not a number. <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> and, uh, they're not even interested in your secrets. Yeah. I know. Um, so sad. No, when, when I was pre- pre- preparing for this, uh, you know, I put it on and, and I said to the 16 year old, it's like, you should, you should check this out. Just, just watch for a few minutes. And he goes, okay, yeah, whatever. And then after a few minutes, he kind of looks up and goes, what in God's name is going on? And he put the <laughs> phone down and, and he just, he was like, wow. I want to see more because it's such an odd beginning and such an odd concept right off the bat. It's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. It's amazing. I wanted to jump in on that because for in the category of 50 year old television programming, <laughs> right? I am amazed at how well this thing holds up. It's yeah. weird. I think it's so weird and so modern. That's one of the reasons it holds up. Um, the it, it is it is allegorical. It is metaphorical. It is so. Therefore, you can read it so many different ways. And Erica and Stephen, uh, on your um. In the Village podcast, you talked about so many of the different ways it can be read, but I think that's in its favor as as something that doesn't feel historical. It feels almost out of time because mm-hmm. it's so it's about big ideas um, and the and it's it's really well shot, so it doesn't feel cheap and it doesn't it doesn't really feel that old. It definitely has a kind of old James Bond movie flair to it a little bit, but I was amazed at how like really good, not like good for it time or has nostalgia value and so i still love it like you know i think like original star trek obviously i think if you didn't grow up with it it's harder to read that stuff um and i i see steven's tweets when he tries to watch (laughs) the original series but the prisoner like i have no real nostalgia for it and in watching them in 2018 i thought damn like the episode that really blew me away was a hammer into anvil yes Ah. yeah which is an, the episode where um, number two kill basically kills a prisoner, and number six is furious. Patrick McGowan. We haven't really introduced the. It's about uh, it's about a secret agent who resigns. Or we think he might be a secret agent who resigns and and is gassed and taken away and wakes up in this bizarre village by the seaside where he's trapped and can't escape and he's been given a number that's there's there you go there's my that's it that's all you that's all you need to know about the prisoner but in hammer into anvil he he makes his overseer number two go crazy thinking that he's up to some sort of plot Mm mm-hmm and I cackled through the entire thing. It was so delightful because he's just making him paranoid for, and he's not doing anything. He's like writing things down on a piece of paper and, or, or what is it? He goes into the boat and he puts some blank sheets of paper mm-hmm. under a mattress mm-hmm. in a boat and then leaves and they immediately rush in and they're like, analyze this, but there's nothing on it, sir. <laughs> You're in on it. It's, um, it, it was um, so amazing. And I thought, I cannot believe how completely enwrapped I am by a 50 year old television show. Right. But it really, and it was all there because it's, you know, the layers of meaning in, in him being in a surveillance state basically and how do you rebel if you have no power right and yet he finds a way to rebel it's amazing i mean the whole the whole show is about mind games both uh in the in the meta concept for the viewer but also in the individual episodes it all boils down to two people trapped in one room for the whole episode trying to break one another you know as a playwright it's a very theatrical thing so i i love that kind of thing because it's fun to write it's fun to watch it's great on a stage 
but man, I loved I loved seeing Leo McKern and Patrick McGowan go at one another. <sighs> it's great on a stage, he says. It is great on a stage. Great on a stage. It's great on screen too. Well, you've tread on you've tread on what my biggest criticism of the prisoner oh. is, which is that there there are there are moments when I feel like I'm watching 1960s experimental theater yes. and not actual yes. television mm-hmm. drama, and that would mm. be my my knock on it too. I don't think that's a, a negative. I think that's a positive. <laughs> I, no, but quite quite honestly, I think that's part of the reason it holds up so well. To, to the earlier point, is that. Because it is so experimental, it's not, it, it, it's sort of out of time in a way. Um, it, because it's so weird, because it doesn't have the same kind of pace, it doesn't follow your expectations, it, it eternally tries to confound the viewer visually or sonically or in terms of the plot in a way that then, then means it's always fresh. Well, and it, it does grab your attention with, off-kilter camera shots, sounds. It, one of the things about those visuals that are fascinating is how much they got picked up by other filmmakers in, in a variety of genres. There, there, there are so many shots that appear in The Prisoner, and then you see them in television advertising. Yeah. And those weird camera angles are things that, coming back and watching The Prisoner for the first time, you're like, oh, Oh, this is where it came from. This is where it came from. And it's pretty clear that anybody who made television after 1968 was a lot of the people who made the weirder stuff. They'd been looking at this. It it is probably one of the most influential TV series. Um, You know, it's kind of like the the visual representation of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And that like after that came out, the world expanded and everyone could sort of like, oh, wow, this is what the medium of television can be. It just doesn't have to be, uh, you know, episodic storytelling in black and white about doctors and lawyers and secret agents and stuff. It can go to completely different places. And I feel that, you know, you wouldn't have sort of the Twin Peaks or Carnival or or Deadwood uh, or Lost. Or or Lost. Uh, I remember Oh, yeah. Lost came out and people think, oh, this is so crazy. Like, oh, they're like, who knows what's happening in this? Like, oh, you should really watch The Prisoner. Um, <laughs> or, or follow me here, or The Good Place. Yep. Oh, you wouldn't have The Good oh, Place. Yeah, absolutely. The good, yeah. The Good Place is The Prisoner as a comedy with, with <laughs> theological underpinnings. It makes a lot more sense than The Prisoner. It does. <laughs> but I just, I had a moment, this is what Lauren said to me as we were watching The Prisoner. She's like, oh my God, it's the good place. The village is the good place, right? <laughs> They're like all trapped there. And it's this weird little town and it is a character unto itself. It's got the will, really weird map where there are the strange places you can go. Everybody is like super cheery, which is one of the questions I had and Stephen and Erica having recently walk, t- walked and talked through this. Maybe you can help me here. Is everybody in the village a prisoner or do people like go there because they they can get a job selling newspapers in the village? Because there's a lot of people there doing a lot of different jobs. And I never really understood, like, is this all just for like five prisoners at a time or 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 do you get sent there and just say, well, okay, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to sell newspapers. I think one of the most delightful things about it is. You never really know. There's nothing, <laughs> as with pretty much everything else in the entirety of the show, we we never get a name for our main character. We don't really know whose side he's on. We don't know, like, any of that stuff. We don't know what the deal with the village is, even at the very end. Um, I mean, my... 
headcanon through most of it was that that yeah, most of the people there are prisoners to one extent or another. Uh, obviously, they don't all have secrets as important as as number six, our hero, or they would be much more front and center. Instead, they're people who have just sort of accepted their lot and they're just kind of hanging out. But then you do get participate in the art, yeah. uh, yeah. the art Joke. contest. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, they might maybe they're just people who've already broken. Maybe and, we're yeah, just getting one of the, the narratives, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, there are minor characters who have numbers that are way higher up that come mm-hmm. up several times. Um, I can't remember their numbers now. But I was always just curious about three, four, and five. What were their secrets? I know. There are yeah. no three and four and five. That's the thing. There's no num- There's right. no sevens. There's no sevens. Right. He never included the number seven in anything. If you look very closely on the map, there yep. are no sevens next to anything. Regardless, going going back to the what Jason said about how timeless the the series seems, because Magoon was such a stout Roman Catholic and and didn't like he, he even felt uncomfortable b- about being in like romantic scenes with any actresses at all. That. You know, the one thing that you look at this, the 17 episodes, sure, there aren't that many women to begin. Actually, there are a few women yeah. roles in this series, but mm-hmm. he was so, you know, they, he wasn't married to any of them on screen. Therefore, he had no, you know, he didn't fraternize with them. And so, therefore, there's the sexual politics, which is, you know, you, Jason, you were talking about my experiences with Star Trek. That is the toughest thing to watch. Uh, classic Star Trek in, in 2018. But that's not there in The Prisoner. They didn't deal with that. So therefore, you remove that and the, it, the, and the themes of the show sort of shine through. And, and as you say, they're so timeless. Like I, I'm, I watched uh, when we watched Free For All about the election. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for years, I've watched the series dozens of times and I thought yeah, that, you know, this is how things work. Sure. But then, then I sort of became more politically active and, and, and interested in it. And, you know, after the 2016 election, and watching free for all that has it takes on an entirely new uh meaning uh you know 50 years after it was made and it's just those they, they keep the themes of the show wide and varied there's there's one show i suppose the general is kind of like about computers but it leaves it in a, a sort of a 60s paranoid sort of way which is could be any generation's paranoia exactly yeah right. throughout all of this although right. steven i'll go back and say that free for all that's got some really creepy women stuff in it because they keep bringing in the pretty girls to try and incentivize him. That he always refuses. That's he, that's he does always refuse. Yeah. He does always yeah. refuse. But there there are those things in there. But it is not as prevalent as it's certainly not as bad as Star Trek. But it's it's not as prevalent mm-hmm. as as other places. It's hard to ship in the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean yes. number six and number two. <laughs> well. there, I mean there, there's a there's a number two that I'd ship him with. Like one of the number two, one or two of the number twos, mm-hmm. I'd certainly kind of ship him with. But like for like five minutes, and I, I so- ship him with Rover. <laughs> <laughs> Rover's Rover's just a hugger. He just yeah. goes to hug. It's true. Yeah. I want to take a brief break from the show to tell you about today's sponsor. It is Squarespace. Are you ready to start a new business? You can make it stand out with Squarespace. I know you've heard about Squarespace before, but let me explain. You don't have to set up a server. You don't have to hire a web designer. You don't have to patch that server to protect it from vulnerabilities, from scary hackers that are out there. Squarespace just lets you make the site that you need, and it takes care of all of the rest of it. You can take whatever your idea is and make a website using their tools, whether it's 
a blog or a store where you're going to sell products and services, just a few clicks will get that site on the web using Squarespace. You can customize everything from the look and feel to the settings and products. It's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. Nothing to install ever. They take care of it for you. But if you do have any issues, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support to help you out. Destiny is calling, chum. It says, make a new website and make it with Squarespace. So go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SNELL. I am not a number, but I am an offer code. To save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, that's squarespace.com, offer code SNELL. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring The Incomparable. Going uh, back to what Stephen said about uh, McGowan and his, he has opinions and there are things he likes and things he doesn't like. I think his performance is fascinating mm-hmm. because for a leading man, he is so locked down. I mean, oh, when he does, yeah. he will sometimes just burst with with rage or energy or, or 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 volume but there is no other show i can think of where your leading character is so keeps so much inside mm-hmm. that you end up having to just sort of like observe their actions and study their face yes and try to wonder what they're thinking but because he holds it all in so so often it's and and in the last episode of course he has like five lines of dialogue in the entire episode which he wrote and directed he says almost nothing but even in something like hammer into anvil is a good example where he's walking around and doing stuff but like you know that's it (laughs) that that's that's all he does and you're like what what is going on inside his head and you very rarely get a glimpse in there no a a lesser show would have had the the lead character and i know erica thought this as we were watching the the show um is that uh you know a lesser actor the lesser show would have had like inner monologues we'd hear like echoey reverb thoughts of what he was doing but we never get that we never no. except for the no. one episode where it's not actually patrick mcgillen right. uh, and it's it's <laughs> nigel stock doing it um and so we we just sort of have to read what he's doing how he's acting you know the facial expressions which also don't purposely give anything away you know that he's i know erica that you, that you were quite um mm-hmm. a fan of that yeah just the this is a show that is not afraid of ambient sound and, yeah. and silence there are you know tons of of moments that stretch on so much longer than modern television does with things happening on screen and nobody saying anything about it and nobody ever commenting on it to explain it to you as as the viewer so you really this is this is not the kind of show that i could just have on while i'm cleaning the living room no um, you have to it expects yeah. a lot of the viewer and and i think um many happy returns is a great example of that erica like i i actually when i was taking notes when i was watching it i started becoming obsessed with how there had been no dialogue and mm-hmm. no dialogue and so I'm, i like my notes say like 428 still no dialogue Six okay. minutes, no dialogue. Seven minutes, mm-hmm. no dialogue. Like it keeps going. Nine minutes and no words. <laughs> and like it, it, it goes through like twenty four. Th- twenty four minutes into that episode, we get our first line of dialogue halfway of through English the episode dialogue. of English. Of English, yes, dialogue. exactly. It's- yeah. Before that, we have some radio static at fourteen eleven, and at fifteen thirty one, there's some Russian or something. It's not even yeah. clearly so, Russian. 
exactly. So when when number six finally says, you know, where is this place? It just it comes like just a shot because yeah. it hasn't. No one's spoken for the first half of the episode. I mean, what daring television! The thing that I loved about that particular episode so much was that um, I was totally enraptured during all twenty four of those minutes. I didn't yes. get bored once. And no. I mean, there are there are some moments in other episodes where there's a lot of quiet, and you get you know number six sneaking around and opening drawers and looking at things, and you know sometimes most of the time I just loved it. Occasionally I felt like it went on a little bit longer than it needed to, and then we have the episode where there's twenty four minutes with with no talking, and I cannot take my eyes away from the screen. So they just they managed to make it work. Yeah, they really did. And I think we kind of mentioned this before. Um, I think, David, when you said something about how other people had done the two men in a room episode before, but this comes a little bit later, but it, it, it's in some ways the best one. There's something very much reactive to what other television shows at this time gesture at or try to do or fail or are afraid to do. And it's like, it's almost like Patrick McGowan was like, all the things you're afraid of, I'm going to do. Right. And I'm going right. to, and I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it, that's why it also seems so experimental because it is, it is, it is, there is no, um, uh, parachute safety harness. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing that's pandering to, there's no fan wanking here. There's no pandering to the viewer. One episode that does get a lot of grief is the girl who was death, oh, which, does you know, it? It was originally a secret agent script, supposedly, and they just sort of retrofitted it because they were running out of time to do episodes and whatever. And I always enjoyed it partly because, and it's, we've talked about this in other things and doing things ourselves. Once you have the format, it's fun to break the format. It's fun to mess with the format. And I love the fact that he's, by this point in the series, there's already been a lot of, you know, oh, is this John Drake? Is this secret agent? Um, that he takes a script that could could have been a real secret agent story, and but he filters it through being a fairy tale for children in the village. Why are there children in the village? That's also weird. There mm-hmm. never been children in the village before, right? Yep. And but he's telling this children's story about this spy adventure, and so it's it, it, it's sort of another layer of metafiction onto it now. So it's. Number six, telling a John Drake story, but is it John Drake or is it number six? Is it is it true? Is it just a fantasy? And they're trying to figure out, are the is he telling us secrets or not? And it adds this whole layer to this otherwise pedestrian spy story. And it's, I just, I love that episode. I love that episode too. I find it very fascinating that you think that people, that, that, that your received fan wisdom is that it's not beloved because the, the fan wisdom that I received was that that story was freaking amazing and, really? many, peop- okay. and many people's favorites. And then I watched it and I did not like it very much. So <laughs> oh, I do I remember guess. you not liking this when I got to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love also that even to build on that meta, like that, that then they basically turn to the camera and say, good night, children everywhere and like loop in the audience. I love that episode to bits. I love I, 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 I it's a, it's a rare moment when, you know, when the, when the show just sort of has fun with itself, um, which, uh, you know, you could look at the way the whole show is kind of presented and there's kind of like a creepy clown nature to it all. You know, you think they're having Ooh. fun, but really it's very True. dark and sinister. And I feel a girl who was death is actually just full on 
out fun. I don't think it's one of the five yeah. episodes that I recommended to to Jason when when he was asking for episodes to. Uh, right. But that was a tough because because uh, Jason, you asked me five episodes or you gave me a small number, and I had to sort of think, well, what 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 episodes can I do? Which which ones do I leave out? Essentially, was what I was debating with myself. Uh, and I figured Arrival is obviously the, the the easiest one because it's the first one, and really that is almost like the perfect prisoner episode because it has literally everything that happens in the show in that 50 minutes yeah if you are if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the prisoner and you're not sure if you are 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 interested in it go on itunes just watch arrival the very first episode it will give you a taste of all of the pieces that come together to make the prisoner and if you don't like that episode you're probably going to hate the prisoner in general so so run away 100% run far but if you fall in love with that episode the way i did immediately and hard then yeah go forward Mm -hmm. and that is exactly what erica you said to me when i was looking into it you were like give it 10 minutes and you'll know so you Mm -hmm. were like it's it's not like if you decide you want to do this and you want to binge watch these episodes that you're going to get halfway through the 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 episodes and and change your mind and tap out like you're either in or you're Mm -hmm. out yep I want to take a little break to remind you of something, not a sponsorship. It's about us. You can support The Incomparable by becoming a member. You can sign up for a monthly pledge or an annual pledge if you want to just have your credit card charged once and support this podcast directly. Here's what you do. Go to theincomparable.com slash members and sign up. That's it. You'll be asked to pick the shows on our network that you'd like to support. You can check the box for just this show. Or if you listen to other Incomparable podcasts, you can check those boxes too. And the donation will be shared across all those different shows. Now, if you're a member, you get lots of extras. There is a privilege to being a member. You get exclusive bonus material, including the bootleg podcast. The moment we finish recording an episode, sometimes it takes me weeks or even months occasionally to post an episode after we record it. I have to edit it, and we only do one a week, but sometimes we record more than one a week. The bootleg podcast, available for members, the moment we're done, I post the unedited recording of our conversation right there so you can listen to it immediately. There's a lot of original content that we create, especially this time of year, for members. There's a whole season of Total Party Kill that's in there, and we're going to be doing a commentary track where we watch a popular space-based movie with a bunch of your friends talking about it, and then you can listen along while you watch the movie, and it's like we're there. Plus, you get access to all the stuff we've done for the last year in terms of bonus material. So there's a whole lot of stuff there, basically members-only podcasts that you can subscribe to if you become an incomparable member. Contribution levels are at $5, $10, and $20 plus their annual equivalents. If you're already a member, you can increase your pledge and get some special physical goodies in the mail in return once a year. I make some stuff and mail it out myself to all those uh, higher level members. And if you'd like to support us, again, here's how you do it. Theincomparable.com slash members. Everybody gets the digital goodies. Higher levels get some other goodies too. uh, And you get to support the podcast that you're listening to. So thank you for your consideration. And now back to the show. So I was thinking, um, and I know this is kind of a bizarre angle here, but I was thinking about the fact that... (laughs) It is yeah. right. This is just total total break. It's a Dutch angle. Seventeen seventeen episodes. I thought about what would have happened. Like, I, it sounds like they were originally going to do a second season full on, and then that got truncated. So there are only these set, this one run of seventeen episodes, and things got moved around. And right. There's the great debate about the viewing order of the episodes hmm. and all of those things. But as a as an exercise, I thought to myself, well, what would season two of the Prisoner be? What else would you do? 
I can see why this show would make you think about things like that. Because I think, like, this is a 17-episode series where I think I can see a whole bunch of things that they didn't even get a chance to do. Like, I I was thinking, like, you do a whole season where number six is promoted to number two or, Hmm. you know... And has to, you know, right? Like, what what happens there? Or he gets, or he gets sent back home, but he's under complete surveillance the entire time. Like, there are episodes in here we could be like, that's a whole season of a TV show, but they just do one episode about it. And I just kept thinking of like, or they could do this, or they could do that, or they could do this. And it's like that's the thing that's kind of amazing about this show is I think about it and I think about all the possibilities that it doesn't explore or it explores only a very little bit because the idea and the the expansiveness of of what it could could be and what it is as the 17 episodes is remarkable yeah they never ring it out into a concept oh you know we watched the first season and a half but then after that it doesn't bother get no it it's it's perfect as it is the the second season would have seen number six go off world kind of like um don't do not forsake me oh my darling that is more or less a template of what was going to come in season two had they made it but they only hmm. made they made 14 episodes which included the penultimate episode or should i say 13 and then they said well you know what we, we we can maybe make four more but we're done with this idea now and that's when they made like living in harmony which is a western version of the prisoner and then the girl right. who was death and then um and then patrick Paguan wrote the finale in over the course of a weekend and had most of the actors write their own dialogue hmm. for it so like you and know it shows you could, you, oh, you, boy. Could, you could tell that the uh that that the the well had run dry. Now, I didn't say the well that run dry. I think he had said what he wanted to say in that right, series. Sure. And I right. think he was pretty much done at that point. Well, he wanted he wanted to do the individual against the collective. And he yeah. wasn't necessarily interested in writing this long-running genre show with cool stories. Mm-hmm. It's, fa- it's fair. I, I yeah. think, let's okay, let's get to the end then. Because um, <laughs> leg- legend, legendarily, uh, apparently, Patrick McGowan, like so many people saw the last episode and were like, what? And and he had to kind of live that down for a long time. I, um, I, I want everybody's perspective on how the show ends. I think this is an amazing TV show. That has a completely disastrous conclusion, which I know I'm not alone in saying this. (laughs) I think Once Upon a Time and Fallout are incredibly embarrassing, (gasps) terrible, uh, pretentious garbage. I think that I think it's and it's sad. I kind of wish the show didn't have an ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than the ending that it has, and I, I consider Fallout. I watched Fallout earlier today. It's, I think it's unwatchable. I think it is yeah. so nonsensical, and it, it's like it's not a, 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 a. I don't view it as a uh, a failure, but it's a good that they gave it a try. I'm not sure they gave it a try. Like it, it feels. No. It doesn't even feel like it's contemptuous of the audience. It feels like you said, David. Like they kind of just were out. They were done. They were kind of out of gas. It's slapdash. And, and it's a shame. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because, I mean, I read that that um, one of his collaborators had this idea for how the ending was going to be, that it was revealed that the reason he resigned was that as a junior agent, he, pro- he wrote up the proposal for the village. 
and huh. now he and, and and he got mm-hmm. he resigned to be sent there so that he could see the thing that he had caused to happen and be perverted and that that that, that would be the resolution would be the, the you know the overthrowing of that but clearly patrick mcgoon was not interested in plot resolution which fair <laughs> enough but but what fallout is is like an amateur theater production by a bunch of stoned hippies it's yeah, garbage it, it, sorry it, it, it is you say that and the first thing i think of with that idea is Instead of just to see what has been perverted, no, he's there to test it. He's been he's been sure. sent undercover to test it, which is also an interesting idea. It's a, it's mm-hmm. interesting ideas. Uh, that is not what happens in Fallout. No, it, honestly, the way that I feel when I'm when I'm watching Once Upon a Time in Fallout is the way that I feel like when you're in a room with a person who is just so stoned and they're doing that. Have you ever really looked at your hand, man? <laughs> and they are so into it and they are feeling it. Like I feel like these last two episodes of The Prisoner are committed to that thing that they're doing oh, yeah. there on the screen. But I'm sitting over here and I am not stoned and i'm thinking yeah i've looked at my hand it's a friggin hand <laughs> that's it yeah i i am not on board and yet there are people who think that they are the greatest two episodes of television ever created so to each his own that seems going a bit far but i definitely enjoyed the finale a lot more than it sounds like the rest of you did um i actually kind of endured it adored it probably because uh, we endured it you adored it. <laughs> yeah, you endured it i adored it um what i want from a conclusion and and what makes me happy for my headcanon and what i want a conclusion to actually do are two different things and this show if it had provided closure i would have it would have blown the whole thing up, I think, for me. Hmm. And it's just, I love Dem Bones. I love the fact that I was watching uh-huh. it and screaming at my television, what, you know, just like swearing at it. And but there is something about the peeling back of layers and the peeling back of layers, the, the, the Shakespearean theatricality of it. And, and the fact that McGowan does seem like he just walked on to a community theater production and has has burst all the seams of all that control that he always did have there's something weirdly cathartic about it to me so when i watched it that summer and of course my mother had seen it when it aired so you know all all my life and you know this is you know you'll you'll enjoy it someday when it ever shows up and so i'm watching it i'm watching it and i say how does it end how does it end and she just keeps saying wait for it Okay, and and we get to the next to the last episode, and and I said, well, that was that was interesting, uh, but I don't see where it goes from here. She's just wait, one, <laughs> one more week. All right, so I stay up for the last one. I watch it, and the next day it was it's like the sixteen year old's like, what in the hell? And she said, yes, and I'm still thinking about it. What twenty two years later at that point, and here we are still talking about it 50 years later what happened so yeah it does seem slapdash and random and chaotic and i think that's a little bit of the point i don't know if it's completely successful on its own terms but i like what it's going for i like what it's trying to say about the nonsense of of all of this right it's it goes totally absurd it's also kind of weirdly hopeful right like there's something oddly joyful about the 
all you need is love that's kicking around at the back there. There's a there's a, there's a huge gunfight to all you need is love. Exactly. That is a very yeah, special like, moment. How brilliant is that? I clearly am all in for the experimental absurdist theater of the prisoner. Um, but there's there's something just when you take something that is so serious and so scary and 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 you you let it burst its bonds and explode there's just such a release and i i do feel that like i i felt a kind of like looseness afterwards <laughs> like mm. that was just and and i love the fact that you are going to keep thinking about it like we're always going to keep thinking about it you may be annoyed at it but you're not going to forget it right I right. still think, Stephen, at that panel that you should have sung about the toe bone and the foot bone and the, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but. Knee bone, thigh bone. There we go. I'm your daddy. Go, 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 go. I think about shows where I'm frustrated by the finale or, or actively hate the finale, uh, like say, oh, Battlestar Galactica or <laughs> Lost or. See, while I was watching Fallout, I thought to myself, boy, the people who are mad about Lost need yeah. to watch this episode. <laughs> no, no kidding. Again, you know, as annoying as, as those were. They're gone. They're gone from my brain. I don't care. And this yeah. one I'm still thinking about. This one is still, there's like a track in my brain that still thinks about this on a regular basis. I think it's brilliant. I'm one of the people that, that keeps, <laughs> that watches this, this episode. And yes, it's completely chaotic. It is, uh, it is, it is, it's, it shows that it was written over the course of a weekend, <laughs> but the the themes in there like i just love that you know number six gets his individuality back he puts his own suit on he gets money he stands up at the podium striding pridefully that he's now an individual and can't get past the letter i and that's what everyone keeps shouting at him he has the freedom and no one will listen to him now whereas people would listen to him in the village and then as you said you know and then he finds out that it's that spoilers uh <laughs> it's it's himself who's who's uh who's actually number one and then, as you say, there's a big giant sh- shootout over All You Need Is Love because the Beatles were a fan of the show. And apparently, actually, uh, um, uh, during the recording of, I think, uh, Magical Mystery Tour or something like that, actually w- went home and, and watched the finale to see it go out. And this is why you see, you know, unlike other shows where Beatles music has been excised, there's never been a case where the Beatles' uh, All You Need Is Love has been excised from The Prisoner because they've always been a fan of it. And then the, the crazy bonkers, you know, uh, like where the village is. It's somewhere near London, apparently, or it's somewhere near Lithuania or on the south coast of Spain. No yeah. one really knows. A show like this could not possibly have had a finite or concise or, uh, you know, well-explained ending. And I remember the second, the first time I showed it to Erica, uh, I finally actually saw the light. In the very first episode, Arrival, the, uh, number six walks into, uh, I think, one of the government buildings. And there's, throughout the course of the series, there's many different little slogans on the wall. And the slogan on the wall in that building says, questions are a burden to others, answers a prison for oneself. And I thought... That there explains the entire series yeah. because if if they had explained, you know, wrapped everything up in a neat little package at the end, you're right. We would not be talking about this series. We're still talking about what the hell is going on in episode 17, <laughs> 50 years later. I don't know. I feel like if they had never broadcast episodes 16 and 17, we would still be talking about oh, it. We just wouldn't be talking about the way it ends well if it didn't end with 16 and 17 where would it end in your head I, I actually am okay with something that's very weird i mean it is the prisoner i would be okay with something weird and allegorical but 
what I got with Fallout, and I, I also, like I said, dislike Once Upon a Time, which is super stagey, and just I don't, I don't like it either. I, I, I never bought into that. But with Fallout, what, what I don't like about it is the distinct impression. I didn't actually know that he wrote it over a weekend, and that people wrote their own dialogue. But it certainly feels feels that way as a viewer. It feels like um, something that I, I would have liked something better thought out, and maybe a little more internally consistent. And I would like to see a little more Patrick McGowan in the last episode of The Prisoner. And, and I, I get yes. that, the, that that they're intentionally kind of keeping us away from him. But I, I would have been happy with something that was a what the heck did I just watch? It's just that Fallout wasn't a what the heck did I just watch as much as it was like, why did they not try? And that's not to say that there aren't some good moments in it. But I think there are long stretches that feel like nothing is happening. And, and then, yes, when he tries to speak... And he starts to say I, because that's also important. It's all about, you know, when he when he's speaking about I and that he's drowned out. That's a great moment. But like I could count a, a handful of great moments in something that is 50 minutes long and it's right. not enough for me. I mean, yeah. that's all. I, I don't expect it to be wrapped up cleanly. I don't, no. I, you know, th- that's not what show it is. I think, I think the whole thing is just an act of rebellion. That's what it feels like from, yeah, that's you know, be it from the establishment in the form of, of, of number two. Uh, in the youth, you know, rebelling against something that he doesn't even know, you know, what do you got, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so it's just, it's just an act of rebellion. And you think about when this show was, was being, you know, it went out literally the day after like the Tet Offensive. Um, so like the Vietnam War in 1968, uh, one of the most, you know, traumatic years in human history in the 20th century, certainly like it, it just feels perhaps we, we say timelessness, perhaps the fallout seems a little rooted in, in 1968 a little bit just because of the the chaos that was going on at the time it feels it feels right for that that time period it aired in the summer of 68 on cbs which is the most tumultuous uh, (laughs) summer in 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 recent american history for for sure yeah i if if once upon a time had ended with um him being let out uh, or even trucked in the in the weird you know truck with, with where they where they were eating their meals and things um into london and the last scene was the last scene in fallout which is uh which is great actually where the butler is there and the door opens automatically and the the implication there is great you're out you are still a prisoner like that's great like i i actually think that that is a great final moment when they all get kind of dropped off and and leo mckern goes into the houses of parliament and uh (laughs) and you know patrick McGowan you know stops off at his house and then drives a sports car because the final message is yeah you you, we're all in the village that that part i'm actually solid with it's just the yeah. You know, the, it's the full on absurdity, them dry bones and all that. Just like, yeah, I, I, I not a fan of it, but I'm not alone. Yeah, I'm not alone. No, I'm glad no, there are people out there, Steve. No, we split Stephen pretty. And I'm glad um, there, are, there are people who like it. <laughs> we, we split actually pretty nicely there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. In, yeah. in the in the uh, the in the village podcast, I'm definitely Team Erica on this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm mostly Team Erica. Uh, I I will uh, you know say that I was I was sadly disappointed that Erica didn't like it that much. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I understand why. That didn't wreck the whole experience for you, though, did it, Erica? No, 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 not at all. I still I still absolutely love most of the prisoner. I just <laughs> honestly, if it's left to my own devices, I would probably rewatch it and to just stop after living in harmony like that's that's enough which order are you following Does I, well, that... I mean yeah who knows uh, i would i'm do you just keep I girl to be... who is deaf 
I happen to be looking at uh, the uh, the the prisoner the list of the prisoner episodes on Wikipedia, and I'm not sure which order they have it in here. So I'm just saying I would get rid of Fallout, I would get rid of Once Upon a Time, and the girl who was deaf. So I would just leave leave them out and watch everything else, including a change of mind, which is not my favorite. But I think I hmm. like to love uh, pretty much everything else. Maybe I would maybe I would watch it in the really really crazy uh, airing order from Canada. Which doesn't have all of the episodes, but uh, but ends with the chimes of Big Ben, which is the second episode in the um, <laughs> in the as they aired order in the UK and the US. Mm, yeah, that was the one I watched second. All. I could I could if I was going to cut something, I would probably cut Living in Harmony. Could really live without Living in Harmony. It didn't air in the US on its original airing because of its allusions to the Vietnam War, apparently. Mm. Yeah. Well, and and especially setting it at a Western setting, they were like, no, 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 you can't do that. I pretty much don't like any Westerns. Ah. Yeah, and I'm I'm also not a Western fan, and the first time through, I totally would have left Living in Harmony on the cutting room floor. But after our rewatch, I just saw it in a completely different light. Oh, you had to say that, because now I have to watch it again, right? (laughs) Totally. And and in my my rewatching, since my original watching in October, I I had actually not gone back to that one. I find it perfect that uh, that a show as ambiguous as The Prisoner, also even the viewing order is ambiguous and and (laughs) not agreed upon. (laughs) So why why is that, Stephen? Why is this viewing order so confusing that it's, it's all mixed up? There's so many different alternate takes on the viewing order. Well, because TV back then was, you know, more or less made episodically without, I mean, you know, you look at the original series of Star Trek and how many episodes were made and shown out of order. Um, like, what's the first episode that actually aired and the one that actually was first made, not including the pilot? I mean, oh, right. Well, the man, the man trap aired first, even though that's like the seventh episode or the fourth episode and the, the, rather than the, the second pilot, which has totally different uniforms and stuff, which aired midstream, which is f- super confusing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It really is. Is when you watch the Netflix order, um, it, it's so. I, I just think it's just a case of okay, when are we getting these episodes? You know, it, it, it aired in Canada with a different episode running order. It aired in the UK with a different episode running order. It aired in the US with a different order. This is a time when basically they aired when they aired, and there was no production bible or anything like that. They just sort of aired, and so TV shows were sort of made in that regard. If there was like, you know. Uh, any continuity between number twos, which of course change pretty much in every episode with a couple times it. with returning number twos, uh, it, it might make a difference. But, you know, there's there's some there's a line or two in Dance of the Dead, which I think aired eighth in the original run that says I'm new here. Uh, so a lot of people put that like second or third. But there are other elements in that episode that sort of like place it maybe 10th or something like that so it's it's a it's a hap dash part part of me you know would like to think that that was actually mcgoon messing with people saying oh is it new or is it old who knows but i Mm. i honestly think it was just the uh the mechanics of making television back in those days and also the fact that uh you know he was originally going to make x number of episodes so they're getting worked on those and then that number expands and then that contracts a little bit and you know he always knew you know that that certain ones were going to be certain places and yeah so they ended up filling in gaps um to some extent boy it's amazing that this show has has weathered the test of time as it has given all of the the weird things about it including that there's no canonical 
viewing order, <laughs> including that it has a super weird ending. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think the strength of of the fundamentals of it, not only it looks great, it's co- got compelling content, it is always challenging the viewer. There's so many things about it that make it stand out, that, re- that allow it to survive, or perhaps it survives in part because it's so strange and 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 those are just added, it's added color that you don't know what episodes are going in what order. I don't know. And, and I would say, you know, you can find... Uh, they did a reprint of the very first Prisoner novel. There were a couple of novels, but they did a reprint of the first one. You can often find it at Half Price Books, because it's within the last 10 years. And if you can find a copy of The Prisoner Shattered Visage, which is the graphic novel, don't assume it's canon, but it's a really good uh, sequel. It's not It's not necessarily continuation. But Mm -hmm. it involves a young woman named Alice Drake, who is also a secret agent who gets shipwrecked at this place that's really kind of weird looking. Mm -hmm. And we recognize it. And there are two men who are still fighting. And one of them looks a lot like Patrick McGowan, and one of them looks a lot like Leo McKern. We've gotten a number of people who have uh, requested that Stephen and I talk about the graphic novel or the big finish or or actually the uh, the AMC miniseries remake oh. and i think oh. steven and i have decided that uh that we will watch and review the amc miniseries version but it's going to be an incomparable members only special oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> those poor yep. members oh wait no those poor <laughs> hosts who have to watch that thing yeah the members don't have to we're gonna watch it for them i watched about half of it I haven't if watched. I haven't anything. touched that, so I'll I'll wait nope, for you nope, guys nope, to to nope. filter it for me. No, what Save is that? Yourself. No Save yourselves. Save yourselves. That's Ian McKellen, Jim Caviezel, Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell. Yeah, it's a yeah. great cast. But that's a good thing. It's an amazing it's a great cast. cast. An amazing cast. And and I will say, Ian McKellen is. I mean, he's Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen is number two. Come on. But yeah. Aside yeah. from that, oh. God, no. The things we do for the members we love. And and I will say, as, as sort of a, an adjacent thing, uh, Patrick McGowan guested several times on Columbo and also directed several episodes of Columbo. And speaking of, you know, two people trying to break one another, he is one of the best murderers they ever had on Columbo. So hmm. if you can find any one of those episodes, there are like three or four of them. Uh, well worth watching. Because he gives a, a similarly tight performance. I will also recommend that people seek out. It's available. Um, uh, you, I think you have to watch it with some commercials. But, you know, Simpsons episodes are generally available for streaming. <laughs> Season 12, what? there's an episode called The Computer Wore Menace Shoes, mm-hmm. in which Homer, who knows too much, is kidnapped <laughs> and sent to the island, no. which is... Uh, very familiar looking place That's amazing. and he meets a uh, a gentleman who is number six who is voiced by patrick McGowan. and by the way the last shot when he returns home to springfield the door opens automatically <laughs> it's that it's that McGowan who is sort of like you know at, did interviews for a few years after but like you know what was that what was fallout about all that what was the series about and eventually just sort of said you know what if i haven't explained it in the show and i haven't explained it well enough to you in interviews then I'm done. I'm sorry. I have nothing more to say on the matter. And that's his actual final contribution to the prisoner before he died about a year or two yes. after that. Uh, so I find that for, for those, the definitive end to the prisoner is in fact that Simpsons episode. And at the yep. end of Fallout, you can see that he's driving in the car in the very same opening shot as the opening first episode yeah, yeah. Uh, right. that he does in fact 
go back to the village, uh, which gets transported to the island, and he's still trying to find his way out. Global warming or something, <laughs> nature and island. <laughs> yeah. I think it's such a great premise that with the right people... Um, it given modern television sensibility for like in this peak TV era to do like super weird programs that that try all sorts of very strange things. I think there could be a very good new version of The Prisoner as an like an ongoing Netflix or HBO or something like that series. I don't think it will ever happen. Yeah, and that's probably okay. But I can see that that with the right people involved. Um, I think this premise is so great that it could be very interesting. But instead, you know, the true the true uh, follow up to the prisoner is like um, Big Brother. <laughs> I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I would say Lost. Lost is the yeah, closest no, you're right. thing. Yeah. I mean, sure. it's, you're right. It's very much this, you know, unusual things happening in this place. What's going on? Didn't end There's well. allegorical but, stuff. Yeah, There's yeah. allegorical stuff. It didn't end uh, well. See, it's just like the prisoner. It's just like the prisoner. My fear about it being remade now is that there's no way that it could be remade now without being prestige television. And there's no way it could be remade as prestige television without being unbearably smug. Well, that's the problem with the miniseries. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, aside from the writing. Look, let's let's face it. Um, in our entertainment era, it's only a matter of time before somebody else attempts yeah. to yeah. do a new version Probably. of The Prin- Prisoner. Probably. Let's hope it's a good one because they're going to do it either way. If, if, if they remade The Prisoner, like even if they just tried to do something that's as stylistically and conceptually interesting, even if they didn't nail the acting, like it would be something to watch, right? Mm-hmm. It could be something. Yeah, I would rather see Mike Schur as the prisoner than Charlie Brooker's the prisoner. Although yes. they could, if they work together on it, that might be <laughs> oh, wow. interesting mm-hmm. because the, the the beauty of it is that the prisoner is is built with a little bit of the sensibility of having come off of doing Secret Agent, right? And right. I think that is to its benefit that it has that as part of its DNA, even though it's trying to be something very different. I think Daniel Craig needs a star in the next version. Then I think that's hey. actually yes. That, that point you make goes kind of to where I was already headed. The thought that if someone makes it who isn't me, it it's going to be someone coming from left field. And nobody expected this coming out of Secret Agent. Nobody expected this from McGowan and, and that crew making, you know, going from just a rote intel- intelligent spy show to this, you know, dystopian individual collectivist battle, right? And it's going to be someone coming out of left field. Who expected the good place out of Mike Schur? I think maybe the good place is, again, the answer here, which is that's our prisoner. It is. (laughs) And the village, I mean, the village is the bad place. Come on. But you know what? I mean, we're all just sort of talking about who could make the prisoner to be like the prisoner, but not like the prisoner and sort of like look at it with the the benefit of hindsight when you when you actually look at the making of the show i mean the reason it got to where it was and how it got to be what it is is because of the strife of making the show and right. being yeah. the first right. to do it right. and you cannot you cannot recreate you that recreate and that's that. what i think this series I will just right. stand the test of time yeah. i think i think that's exactly right that this is this is a um as a lot of great creations are kind of an accident mm. and a fortuitous combination of things. Not that it wasn't purposeful in what it's doing, but like the circumstances that led to its creation and the difficulties in making it are probably key ingredients in what it is. And that can't be replicated. Yeah, it's the serendipity of it and the, 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 the lightning bolt that caused the two elements to create something 
much more than what you started with. Before we go, we mentioned at the very beginning how the opening credits which is really the opening of the first episode that is then condensed and replayed for two minutes at the beginning of every episode. Amazing. But it's it's great, and I, I'm going to co-sign. It is amazing. But let's also just call it out here. Um, great theme song. Mm-hmm. Classic, yes. great theme song by Ron Grainer. One here. of my top ten. It's stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And it goes with the whole, the little bongos at the beginning as the as the car is speeding along. It's it's amazing to uh, to watch um, the, I think of the Blu-ray, which of course no one's seen. Uh, they have the, <laughs> Shut up! They anyway. have the, the first two original <laughs> rejected versions of the theme, which seem just completely oh, bonkers. Wow. So weird. Uh, before they settle on Ron Grainer. And it's not Ron Grainer who makes the scene men. I can't remember who did the arranging on it, but the original version that Grainer came up with is this weird, like almost baroque sounding harpsichord based version of what became <laughs> the final theme song. So mm-hmm. I will commend Ron Grainer on writing theme tunes for The Prisoner and Doctor Who, but arranging is not his strong suit, and no. it's whoever arranged the the theme song. It's a, I mean it's it's made in the days of of TV shows that had two three minute opening title sequences but instead of just sort of showing like random smash cuts to everything there's the entire story of his of everything leading up to the prisoner that you can watch any episode of the prisoner and understand what's going on because of that uh, that opening title sequence there's something mesmerizing about it i you know re-watching it even when i watch like 18 episodes in a row i always watch the full opening i never skipped it yep right and, and that's i think something really kind of fascinating i almost feel like you're being hypnotized into the mm. the headspace that mm. you need to have like it really is it's not just an opening credits like it really is like a prolegomena all right what anything left that we haven't talked about we've talked about a lot oh about yeah like just circling around just just to talk about you know sort of my headcanon about about the village in general i i do think that most of the people that are there are are, are prisoners who have been you know not necessarily all of them broken but they've all given up the secrets that they that they had and they're just you know they're retired they've retired to this adorable little village mm. but we we do get a couple of episodes that that dig into that a little deeper like um like in checkmate where number six comes up with the idea that he thinks he's got this way to be able to tell which of the people in the village are prisoners and which of them are actually wardens who are sort of undercover so mm-hmm. there's always a little bit of push and pull and, and in some episodes you get people who are working directly against the status quo like the clockmaker who is who's trying to to blow things up so you get hints in different stories but those hints don't necessarily support each other which is yet another fact of, of this show that it never ever tells you what it's doing because it's doing something different in each episode and that right. doesn't matter i mean it, there's a different number two in every episode so yeah the, the, who knows what else in the village has changed that you might not notice from from the the thousand mile view because it's all changing all the time and i think one of the things that makes it really timeless too is that they don't explain how a lot of the things work Right. They just plunge you into this world and you accept it. Mm -hmm. Well, and the absurdity of it is part of the uh, what I get delighted by about it is like the the 
seemingly normal like i I mentioned the art contest right like there is this aspect to the village which is oh no everybody's happy here we have a whole happy community um everybody just goes about their you should just give in and conform and everything will be fine and it is i i I just kind of get giddy watching it because it's so funny and strange and just absurd and that's part of the it doesn't make sense it's just funny and right. weird, and I, right. I, that's what I like about it. Yeah, there really are some crazy details, like the, the many happy returns. There's the, the whole cat thing with the like five minutes of a cat drinking out of a little saucer of milk. Like it's just, it's very strange, and it's, it's such a richly <laughs> created world where we don't know what's going on. Like we don't know where this town is, but. Because of that set dressing, and I think, Stephen, you were talking about it earlier, like, it's, it's a creative way to reuse that same interior over and over mm-hmm. again. But they, the amount of thought put into what is on a shelf in yes. every time that's redressed, they, right. there's something in, in, incredible about it. It's such a three-dimensional, rich, yet fundamentally two-dimensional because it's just an allegory. Like, it's it just blows your mind because you really are plunged into something that seems not like set dressing, like somebody really, you know, picked that up and put that down. And- I am totally turning on my lava lamp tonight before I go to bed just to make <laughs> me feel a little closer to the prisoner. Oh, the lo- so many lava lamps. Yep. I love it. Every time I saw one, I'd be like, lava lamp. Mm-hmm. There it is. There may only have been one, but they used it in every Yeah, it was. Shot. You saw it in multiple rooms. I'm just going to go watch some more. All right. Well, it has been fun to be in the village with all of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now we must say goodbye. Uh, but thank you for talking about The Prisoner. People should seek it out by whatever means they can, because again, it is by hook or by strangely <laughs> out of print, at least on Blu-ray in the US. <laughs> so I'd like to thank my guests for talking about The Prisoner with me. Stephen Chapansky, thank you. I still tongue makes for a happy life mm. eric ensign thank you many happy returns jason kathleen showalter thank you <laughs> thank you and david j lore thank you you know my name you know my number oh wait that's the different spy <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there for listening i've been your host jason snell we will see you next week be seeing you 